Hey, what is going on, everybody? And welcome to Listen Money Matters. Save money by going to the store and buying food, said no man ever. Catch your own damn food. <laughs> my name's Thomas, and I'm here, as always, with my good friend, Andrew, who always picks the weirdest catchphrases. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? It's probably Slim Pickens for you, isn't it? Yeah. We don't get it, do we? No, I think everyone takes it for granted. Can yeah, they need to open the floodgates. Come on, more catchphrases, cleverer catchphrases. I want a better class of catchphrase submitter. I thought that was pretty clever because the dude who sent it in actually catches his own food. So I was like, oh, does ah, he? Yeah. Okay. Street that does right make there. it better. I was going to say, like, I usually do still go to the grocery store. I'm not out just, like, scraping roadkill hmm. off the street or, like, hunting raccoons at night. I generally it's, do like going to Whole Foods or the grocery store or whatever. He doesn't eat roadkill. He eats self-kill. Self-kill. Okay. Well, hey, he, he, could, he could use the road for it, so... Anyway, what are you drinking, my friend? Dude, uh, winter is coming. cat off the desk. <laughs> winter is coming, man. I got the Oma Gang going. Abby L. Dubel. Is that the, the Game of Thrones one? Yes, sir. Nice. Actually, I don't know if this is the Game of Thrones. Uh, Abby L. is not the Game of Thrones one. Yeah, but I mean, it's Oma Gang, so maybe it's close. Yeah. What's it? Oh, I forget the name of it. Do they call it like the, yeah, the Valor Magulis one? That's yeah, actually yeah. the name. They have a few. I do remember liking that one. Uh, I'm on the opposite end of the spectrum. I guess it is technically afternoon for you, so I'll give you a pass on that. I'm just drinking, like, kale juice. Oh, my God. <laughs> what is Colorado doing to you? I will hold you, like, right across the street from me. What, what do you expect? Kale juice? <laughs> I, I feel like I have to hang up right now. <laughs> fine, fine, Thomas. Drinks. <laughs> you always make me record in the morning. Um, and I am seriously considering like going off coffee for 30 days just to see what what happens. Do just it. Just gonna see, you know, there's there's all these stimulants and stuff, and I want to maybe just try to go off of it. I think I've gotten too used to it. Mm. It's time to reset a little bit. Just wake up and instantly think of coffee, and that needs to stop. Anyway, guys, today I'm really excited about this episode because we've got Sid and Mackie on the show, and they are professional mountain bike racers who travel all over the place full time and live in a van down by the river. Maybe not. As often as possible, because that's a good place to shower. Yeah. <laughs> oh man, there are some rivers that I probably wouldn't shower in, depending on what city you go to. <laughs> we try to stay away from cities. <laughs> that would make sense. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm from Des Moines, Iowa, and the Des Moines River there is pretty gross, which makes it pretty funny when I go to the hibachi place and the the chef like brings this like succulent shrimp and scallops that are clearly from the ocean. And he's just like fresh from the Des Moines river. You're going to love it. <laughs> <laughs> so you guys have a really cool story. I mean, like you, you guys bought a van, you travel all over the place um, and you race mountain bikes professionally. How did you get into that? And how do you guys travel full time? I'm really curious. Oh, that's a couple of really big questions. <laughs> um, I've actually been riding mountain bikes since I was a kid. Both my parents ride. I didn't really race seriously or race at all until I was in college. And I met this one in college and he was like big, bad pro mountain bike racer at that point already. <laughs> so I sort of started racing like um, four years ago at this point and kind of gone from there. But I'll let Mackie tell you his story. He's been in it for a little bit longer. <laughs> yeah, so I moved to New Mexico to Taos with my family in 2000 
um, mm-hmm. and you know, did an after school mountain bike club that my parents put me in and was like, wow, this is really cool. And then the people who were leading it were like, well, there's mountain bike race and angel fire. Like it's only 45 minutes away. You should come try it out. And I went and I did it and I raced beginner and I got second and I was like, this is cool. I like racing bicycles. Um, I was, I think 15 at the time. And so from there, I just started doing a couple more races each year. Um, and then in 2000. 2006, I think it was. Anyway, Mm -hmm. um, I got my quote unquote pro card, which in the mountain bike world just means that you race the highest category. It doesn't necessarily mean that you actually make any money. Um, so I've been racing pro since 2006. Um, and then more recently have kind of been able to turn that into actually a career and uh, be able to make money doing it instead of just spending a lot of money doing it. (laughs) So at this point, are you like a sponsored racer then? Yeah, so we're both sponsored, um, okay. and you know I've had sponsorship of some form or another for probably ten years at this point, maybe more. But it wasn't until the last maybe five years or six years that there was money involved in that sponsorship. It was usually just product or discount on product. Yeah, um, and then more recently it was actual financial support, and then over the last couple of years, being able to do it full time, um, and support myself and not have to do other stuff as well. So I'd be really curious to hear about the whole sponsorship thing. I remember when I was a teenager, I was like obsessed with becoming a sponsored skateboarder. That was back when like Tony Hawk underground came out and like every kid, every kid with a skateboard was obsessed with that whole rags to riches story. Like, yeah, I'm just going to skateboard down the, the parking lot every single night until I get sponsored by element or Quicksilver or whatever. And Back then, like, I don't think I ever thought of it as like a way to make money. It was just like, I want free skateboards <laughs> and obviously I never got good enough. Um, but now it kind of makes more sense to me that like, it's not necessarily just your skill in the sport, but also your ability to bring attention to the brands that do sponsor you. So like, I guess what's the balance between just like being able to win races and also having maybe some sort of platform or ability to advertise your sponsors? Um, basically this is a question that we get a lot, I'd say from like other racers as well. And I think it really depends at the level that you're at for the discipline of mountain biking that we do. There are probably like maybe 10 to 15 people in the world who can get sponsored solely based on the results that they have. Um, and that's just cause they, they win races and then people basically create content for them because they won and they're, they're all over the place cause they're winning. Yeah. Um, and that, that's not us at all. That's not what we do. I mean, we, we try to win, but um, <laughs> we, we are not winning international races generally. Exactly. Uh, okay. So, and then yeah. the other way that you have some way to, uh, you know, sell a product. Like, I think people sort of lose sight of like sponsorship isn't designed to like encourage, I don't know. It's not about making you win races. It's yeah. about selling product and if you can do that via social media or just by having you know a large following in in person and um it really depends on the sponsor that we work with like we work with a brewery in new mexico and santa fe brewing and for them like one of the things that we do is we just bring a lot of beer to races and like get it in the hands of people who haven't ever had it before and they're um and and that's you know, good for them. And then but a lot of our sponsors are sort of dependent on like what we do on social media and sending them photos that they can use in ads and 
Uh, so how did you friction. find them? Because I would I would have assumed you had like a, a bike sponsor or like a wheel sponsor or something like highly related. <laughs> so we have that we, too. <laughs> the majority of our sponsors fall into the bike and outdoor industries. Um, mm-hmm. Jameis is our bike sponsor. Um, Vittoria does our wheels and tires. Um, you know, we work with other companies that do other parts of bicycles like pedals and gears and brakes and all that. And then we work with companies like Osprey, um, who does bike packs as well as travel Mm. packs. Um, We work with companies like K2 Coolers and Eureka. So, you know, camping equipment. So all falling into the outdoor industry. Mm -hmm. And then there's just a couple of them. I guess it's primarily just Santa Fe Brewing that falls into the sort of more the the non, yeah, the more mainstream (laughs) or the non bike and outdoor industries. And do you um, find these people or they find you? We very find rarely <laughs> do sponsors come to you. It happens yeah. occasionally <laughs> and it has happened to us for a couple of companies like Vittoria uh, Wheels and Tires. They approached me like five or six years ago, mm-hmm. um, at which point I was racing cross country pretty seriously. And then as that relationship has grown, then they've started supporting Sid as well and they've become one of our bigger sponsors. Um, but usually you are approaching them and you're basically sending a proposal and saying, here's what I can do for you. Here's how I can help you sell product. Here's how I can make people notice your brand. And it's going to cost you product or discount on product or X amount of money plus product. And, you know, and then they'll usually come back with a response like, oh, well, you know, we can't do that right now. Like, how about this? And then if it's worth it to you and you know, you do, you go back and forth. It's basically contract negotiation. Um, we actually mm-hmm. listened to your contract negotiation one recently and we were like, Hey, oh, this is really yeah. interesting. We do a lot of that <laughs> Only we do it for like, um, like 30 different companies. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Let's break this down. And Andrew take notes because we don't currently have a beer sponsor and that's a damn shame. Yeah. That's a really good point. Not have a beer sponsor. Man. Or maybe, you know what? If you don't get a beer sponsor, I'm going to get a kale juice sponsor. We might as well throw this out here now. We have a sponsorship course that walks through a lot of this stuff that we're talking about. Specifically for the bike industry. Yeah, um, because that's, that's, what, that's what we know. No. But, but yeah. the idea is to teach people, you know, to start at the very beginning of, you know, what is your brand and how are you going to differentiate yourself from, you know, the 10,000 other people who want to be sponsored mountain bikers? Um, and then going through trying to find the deciding what companies you want to approach, finding a contact, actually approaching them and then assuming that everything goes well and you get that connection and you're working with them. How to then follow up on your side of the commitment and be a, a good sponsored athlete, because we just right. hear over and over from marketing coordinators or sponsorship coordinators these horror stories of, you know, we sponsored this person and we gave them, you know, X number of hundreds of dollars of free product. And then we never heard from them again until the end of the season when they came back yeah. and said like, Hey, we want to be sponsored by you again next year. And it's like, why would we sponsor you again next year? You didn't do anything. <laughs> exactly. So, Same yeah. thing happens in YouTube. Like a lot of YouTubers <laughs> are just like, I have this many subscribers, therefore I should be sponsored. And they don't realize that like you have to put, you kind of have to put like your balls on the line and sell for the company, not just be like, hey, X amount of people who watch my video, 
uh, you know, this company sponsored me, so I guess go to their website or whatever. Well, I don't care. Yeah. Like, <laughs> Mackie, I, th- I think what you do is is harder because, like, online, if someone, like, goes through the website, they could track that there was, like, a click and it came from me or Thomas or whatever. It's but true, yeah. in this, like, real world where, you know, you're drinking a beer and someone's, like, watching you drink the beer and he's, they're like, Mackie drank that beer. I want that beer. Like, how do you... <laughs> Uh, all, like show results or that you've done meaningful things when it is not so directly correlated? That's the hard part. That's, and that's sure. a great question. Um, and that's something that we're, you know, we're still kind of working on how to prove that. I mean, we use our online platforms a lot. Like we both have pretty big followings on Instagram. Um, so we are able to do a little bit of, of what you're talking about, like showing click-throughs and stuff like that. But I think you know, it's interesting in the bike industry doesn't really expect to be shown the return on investment just because they're used to this sort of sponsorship model where like they know if they have you standing on a podium in their gear that that's good for them, but they don't really know how to quantify that. And yeah, I mean, that's something like we're, you know, we'd love to like be able to say a little bit more definitively, like we've sold like X number of bikes, you know, but it's hard to say that because it's really tough when yeah. there's no there's no um, tracking mechanism, and it, right. it's really tough to think of one when it's literally just a logo on a shirt while you're standing on a podium, right. you know, in first place. There's really no way to track that. So I guess like they kind of have to rely on just brand awareness as kind of the product or the service you're providing, which mm-hmm. does lead to sales indirectly. And some companies will give you like a, a code or something, but that really doesn't work unless they're also offering a discount with that code because yep. why would someone bother to type in the code just to like, I mean, occasionally people are like, I'm going to buy, you know, this set of pedals or like whatever, like how can I like show them that I got that idea from you? But like most people mm-hmm. don't do that. You yeah. know, that's like our friends or family or like people that want to kind of give back that way, which is nice, but not yeah. expected. To go back to like this, outreach part and and maybe it's just me but I, I find this is like the biggest challenge and I, I could find every excuse ever to like not do it because it's it's really <laughs> it's, it's hard like and yeah. awkward yeah yep. like so yeah. how like how, what have you found like do you have to butter them up and be like you know if I say Sid and Mackie you guys are going to sponsor listen to my matters like so I was watching your videos and you guys the way you did your back wheel flips were so awesome you'd be really great fit for my personal finance you're like do you beat them up <laughs> <laughs> well th- there is there's an a, aspect a but it's you know I, I guess what I like to say to people is companies aren't human but the people who run them are hmm. And that's yeah. really like it's all about the relationships. No one, you know, no one's going to sponsor you if you're a jerk. I mean, like, right. you know, if you're one of those people that everyone's like, oh, yeah, you know, Mackie, he's such an asshole and nobody likes him. Like, they're not going to sponsor you. It's just not going to happen. And mm-hmm. so it's like you want people in general to be like, yeah, we really like this people or these of this couple. Like, they're fun people. They're fun to hang out with. They're really nice. And then you want to build a personal relationship with whoever it is you're approaching. And mm. Obviously, that takes, I mean, years a lot of the time, but you start off just by trying to find out what you can about them, and that's what the internet's for. Does this mean, like, setting them a cake on their birthday? Like, (laughs) I would say... It's probably not a bad idea. It's probably not a bad idea. (laughs) In terms of, like, buttering them up or whatever, I think if it's, if you have something genuinely good to say about the product, like, if you've used it, then, like, yeah, you should 100% say that but i think people can tell when you're just like 
you know, trying Shrilling. to like yeah. the door, you know? Yeah. And I think there's also like something we always do is we always look at like the social media platforms and the website of a company and just try to like get familiar with it. Like mm-hmm. you want to make sure you're using the right like terms for their product. Like people mess that up all the time and it's like really basic, you know, if something's like if the model of the bike is called, I don't know, like our bikes are the DEFCON or whatever. Like you want to make sure it's spelled right when you say like, that's the bike you'd want to ride. But, um, yeah. and you can also try to like, to like, like sort of like mimic their tone in some ways, like to mm. show that you understand the, like the brand that they have. And you know, like if it's a, and... Exactly. Yeah. So I think you can do that without being like, this is the best beer I've ever tasted in my entire life. I never <laughs> want to drink anything else. Like, I'll ne- you know, cause then they're like, why would we give it to you for free? You're already going to drink nothing else. You know, like you have to leave something on the table there. <laughs> so it's like, this is a that, pretty that's mediocre like one of the, That's seriously one of the big mental blocks I get with sponsorship is like, well, I would do this for free anyway. So how do I, you know, genuinely come to them and be like, Hey, I like your stuff, but I still want you to give me money to promote it. <laughs> I mean, I think it's, yeah, I mean, I think it's 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 all about the pitch. It's you know, here's mm-hmm. what we can do for you, and it's worth this amount, and yeah. we're requesting this amount, and therefore, it's going to be a net positive for you. So, I mean, you're going to be, this is going to help you be successful, and me too. Yeah. <laughs> I want to mm-hmm. dig into your guys' life because I find it fascinating. But real quick, all of these things are in your course. Yep. And and do Thomas and I get a free course? Certainly. <laughs> yes. You only get a free course if you go mountain biking with me, Andrew. Right. It Fine. is a little mountain bike specific, but I think, yeah. um, you know, the lessons. Basically, we, we created this course because we get Instagram messages like daily from kids like, how do you get sponsored? And it's like, I'm not going to sit here and write you a novel, <laughs> yeah. you know, but, um, you know, if there's a way to turn that into you know, I think it is good information and we do, we want to get that information out there because there are so many people that are so clueless in the bike industry that it's kind of like, it cheapens it for a lot of us really, you know, like a lot of companies Mm. have a really bad taste in their mouth with sponsorship because of at least sponsorship of athletes because they don't see that return on investment. They it's, it's handled unprofessionally. People are entitled, you know, and that's something we'd like to try to. It seems like if you have other sponsors, like, it's easier to get more because like, well, if blah, 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 trust you, I, I can as well, yeah. but you have a case study. Yeah. They all know each other too in the bike yeah. industry. So there's that. Bike industry small. <laughs> what I'm really yeah, curious about is, and I think maybe this like leads into the life piece. How much do you guys earn from sponsorships? Like a month, a year, because it seems like you've pretty optimized your life in terms of expenses. So we actually did these yeah. calculations so is this, this like morning. Before or after expenses, because those are two very different numbers. Right. <laughs> so I mean, you know, we we literally have all of these, and basically combined from last year, which was primarily sponsorship, but a certain amount of freelance. Sid did some yeah. freelance work for um, some social media work for a company. Mm-hmm. We also sell our equipment at the end of the year because. We get product and oh. the, the contracts are such that we get to keep that product so that we can sell it. And that sort of helps with our. And that's a big chunk of money because these are expensive. Yeah. And you guys are going to get like, you, know, you guys are going to get next year's bikes next year, right? Yeah. And this is still yeah, the value of the sponsorship. Yeah. I mean, they're giving you free gear, you know. Right. Yeah. Exactly. 
So including all of that, so combined net income last year was just over $94,000. Holy shit. <laughs> I, before, but, before I but, but still, <laughs> that's awesome. $57,000 of expenses. So. Like business-related expenses? Yes. Business-related expenses. Okay. That's what we deducted from our Schedule C. Guys, so, so that what, what are your expenses like in general? Or what are the kind of the top categories? All of our travel expenses. Um, okay. So that's flights, um, paying to get the bikes on the flights, um, gas, mileage on the car, the whole van thing. Um, hotels, hotels for races, race entry fees, rental cars, training, um, all the like, physical therapy stuff, coaching. You guys um, have like figured it out because you're deducting all this out of your business. And so you only pay yeah. taxes on like 45 or something or whatever the remainder is. 37. 37. 37. Oh my God. And it's two of you. So you yeah. probably don't yeah, even pay bad. taxes. <laughs> well, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you paid a little bit of taxes. We, yeah, it wasn't bad. So. <laughs> And then wow. of that last year, we saved twenty seven. Okay, that's so awesome. That's but you awesome. know what? Knowing what I know about you guys, that doesn't surprise me because <laughs> you you live in the van that you travel with, right? So un- yeah. unless you're spending the night in a hotel, like you you can kind of deduct the Everything. cost of your house pretty much. Right. And we only yes. stay in hotels when we're traveling internationally for races, so then we deduct that too. Mm. Yeah, or if somebody gets MRSA. Like Sid oh, yeah, did. I did get a Mercer and then and we, we had to get a hotel. Get a hotel so that was our use the one non-race <laughs> oh, yeah. hotel in the last like three years. So yeah. <laughs> okay, so so you guys have this honestly ridiculous income, I believe, for what you're doing, uh, and you have your your business expenses, which you deduct, whatever. But you have like, uh, I, I think this is a thing on the internet. Hashtag van life. And it was like this whole, <laughs> and and you guys on your website, you have this like video of your van, and you like, you know, there's no fancy wood paneling here, just like duct tape and like wine corks, <laughs> and plugging holes, and so pretty much. What what like is the portion of your life expenses? So your van was like fourteen hundred or something. You said, I'm guessing you yeah. deducting Please. your gas. Like what is it like basically free? You guys bought so, a $1,400 van and it hasn't broken down on you yet. Right. Okay. Yeah, so, so wow. yeah, part of the reason we've been saving is because we're like, this thing's going to go at any minute. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so that we, we literally put $8,000 of that, whatever, 27 we saved into a fund called Van Fund <laughs> because we know it's going to die. Yeah. And the we, question just is hit two, we just hit 200,000 miles like two weeks ago. Wow. Um, That's like halfway to the moon or something. What's that? I don't know, 168? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. So over 30,000 miles, we're okay. looking at like, we decided 4.3 cents per mile ish. Yeah. And so we bought it for $1,400. And then we actually were able to sell, it was an AT&T truck and there was like equipment left in there. So we sold that for like $200 on eBay. What? And then oh. we didn't know that it worked. Um, but then we put, like, we had to get new tires and brakes mm. and built some custom- oil changes bike rack for it so that we can open up the back and put the motos in and out without taking the bicycles off i saw you um, built like these wood shelves and stuff this is awesome. clearly yeah. custom for your van to fit your gear really in. crap shelves <laughs> that was all like lumber from my uncle that was like leftover so, so did you pass in a pile of house swivel around 
It does, but we usually have so much crap in there we can't even get it to swivel around. So. <laughs> what really amazed me is I guess I naively thought that you would live like in the van, but you guys have this like attachment on the top of it that like expands upwards and you like sleep on top of it. Basically. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so we live out of the van is the really van. a better way to put it because we cook outside, we sleep on the top of it. Like the van is just a transportation method. I mean, it's yeah. so that we can take our bicycles and our toys and the stuff that we need to live with us. And then right. everything else just happens outside, basically. So you, you essentially are camping always. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Um, which, which is, is we, why we avoid cities. Yeah, we don't really live in the van in the winter, generally, mm, unless yeah. we go somewhere like Tucson or um, somewhere south and warm. So, like, luckily, both of our parents are super supportive of our weird lifestyle. So <laughs> we spent, like, the holidays with my parents in Ohio last winter, and then we spent a month in Scotland, and then we were in New Zealand at that point. Wow. So okay. we usually, like, kind of travel during the winter, Um Usually Southern Hemisphere as much as possible. We can. Okay, so, so serious question. <laughs> How do you guys not go crazy with all the driving? Like, what, what do you guys do to stay entertained or whatever? Because I, like, driving just from Des Moines to Colorado to move here was insane for me. And, like, the whole van thing sounds amazing, except for I'm thinking, like, you have to drive to all these crazy, like, huge, like, locations, huge distances what do you guys we do? We listened to a lot of podcasts. <laughs> Your guys' podcast was we were like scrolling through like, all right, more podcasts. And we were like, all right, money. Let's listen to these ones. And we were like, oh, these are really cool. We also like we we rarely have a schedule of some time we have to be somewhere. So we're usually able to break it up. Um, or if we're going to a race, we can leave far enough in advance that we can like take our time and like find cool places to ride and okay. on our way. Um so what's an so average like, day for you guys? Because I'm guessing you're not racing every day. No. no. So we race, I think we calculated it's going to be like 15 races this season. Um, and we've done six six of them, I think. Okay. Um, and so this is sort of when the season gets busier. Yeah. Um, yeah. But it's probably, I would say, a race every maybe two out of three weekends on average. Um, like in the summer. Like April, saying. Yeah. Yeah. Like yeah April from April to August. In August, August to September. So okay. summer aside, which it sounds like you're doing a lot of racing, but I mean, this is like your hobby passion. How much mm -hmm. of your time is dedicated towards like, I don't know, fluffing sponsors or, or just other related things? Or do you literally just fuck off for the whole year Brace a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's so basically a full time job, I yeah. would say. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's um, it's content creation, it's racing, but then the related content. Because once again, if you're not on the podium, nobody else is going to do that media for you. So mm -hmm. you better do it yourself. Yeah. Um, so that's, I mean, that's a huge amount of it. And then other things we try to do is like give sponsors content that they can use. So part mm -hmm. of it is we're putting it on our social media or whatever, but then part of it is we're getting them good photos that they can use either for social media or even for print and online advertisements so that, okay. you know, if they were going to pay a photographer $500 for that photo, 
but they're sponsoring us for, you know, a couple grand and we can give them 10 photos. Well, that's, you know, they've made money on that and they're also getting the exposure. So like, it's all about being creative on how you pitch it. Like, here are things we can offer to you. Like, now you don't have to do this, or now you don't have to go and find somebody who can do this for you because we can do it for you. So that's yeah. brilliant. My my question is, uh, who came up with that? Did a sponsor ask you to start doing that, or are you like, if I do this, I think I could get another blah from them? That's a good question. I don't really remember. I think it was like we were providing these images and then we noticed that they started using them for more than just social media and we were like ah mm. oh, normally you would have to pay for that so yeah. now by not having to pay for it we are worth more to you <laughs> so it was sort of, we were doing it and then we realized what they were using it for and we were like well this is even better for everybody and at this point like we we work with a lot of companies at a lot of different levels and we only will like give photos for advertisement if they're paying us mm. basically yeah do you guys so pay for a photographer of, to like take these or is it like you said when Mackie's racing and yeah well it's usually we don't do it during races because we're racing at the same time but it's like we'll mm. go out every couple weeks and do a photo shoot and um but, you know we're not professional photographers but we can get good photos i have a decent camera um really but these comes photos are good photos are expensive too if you buy from a professional photographer yes. like you're talking like using an ad like companies will be dropping you know a thousand dollars to get an amazing photo so they'll happily like you know pay us five thousand dollars over the course of the year for like pretty much unlimited okay photos <laughs> basically you know like well yeah. look at the ones here on Mackie's instagram and these are really good looking um so like are, are you taking them sid do you guys just go out and like just say hey we're I'm gonna do a sure photo what, session today which or? photos you're looking at but basically like you know, we'll post things from other photographers. We do work with photographers and then we'll sort of email our sponsors and be like, you can contact this photographer to purchase these photos because unless, gotcha. unless we can purchase them all for something cheap, we've done that. Um, they've like, been like, we want rights to these photos. photos, like full rights for like $150. And they're like, okay. And then we can, you know, give oh. those to sponsors. So that's always great, but mm. it depends on the photographer and where they're at in their career whether they accept yeah, that those, those are people who are new to it who are like hey i'm getting paid for photos this is rad right. and we're like it's cool we're supporting you and we're able to get it for cheaper than it like but usually yeah. it's us taking photos of one another yeah i mean okay. like at races there'll be photographers there and we know many of them and so we'll be like hey is it cool like do you have any photos of us that we can use for social media and they're like yeah sure here you go like you know we give them shout outs when we post them and stuff but the understanding is that those won't be used for anything besides our per- or our social medias without their permission and without them yeah. being paid for it. Okay. So these photographers that you work with, um, this is actually interesting because I'm guessing there's people out there who maybe they're not pro level athletes, but they would still like to be able to do this stuff and maybe they can take good photos. So are these photographers traveling around uh, doing photos for multiple races and kind of living a very similar lifestyle where they can travel and make a living there are doing definitely, that. there are definitely people that do that yeah mm-hmm. and i think often they have um arrangements with particular brands or events so they'll be paid either by the event mm. or by the brand to go to that race and take pictures of their athletes so, so they don't even have to yeah, go sell their photos they they can kind of get paid on a gig basis exactly yeah or maybe well, they do get paid per photo i'm not sure exactly will but, they be taking yeah. photos for that brand or whatever and then also take photos of other people and literally sell it to them as 
Yeah, I see you nodding already. Yeah, so, yeah, so that, yeah. Sure. basically they're like, okay, these six writers are my focus because they're from the companies that I'm being paid by. Mm. And then they'll definitely take other photos because if they can sell one of them, it's a bonus $500 or whatever. Mm. And like, you know, that yeah. that happens for sure. But like, Especially at like big international races. Yeah. Yeah. And if they can, if they can post up at one corner, they can take a picture of every rider that goes by. Right. So it just exactly. kind of but then they're folk, you know, they're making sure that the they get the good pictures and you know, they'll shoot a lot of their stuff during practice because you can't really tell whether people are practicing or racing because they got their number plates on, you know. So yeah. they'll shoot photos during practice, use those ones, and then during the race, like try to get a couple photos, but sort of do photos of everybody at that point and try to sell some of the other ones if they can. Gotcha. How long have yeah. you guys been doing this all? seriously in like a full-time trying to earn money lifestyle bit i would say we've made a full-time income the past two years before that it was like very little money and maybe mm -hmm. like mackie is does web design stuff as well so he did that was sort of your full-time yeah, full-time. Full, full so, <laughs> so you've been doing full-time income past two years. How long did it take you to ramp up to this? Like, what you've been doing, like, five, 100? I would say, like, for, I mean, for me, I've been doing it for a long time. And, like, you know, it started off with product stuff. And then for probably the couple of years before that, it was maybe, like, 30 or 40%. Mm. And then we were kind of like, all right, like, let's try to make this happen and like really did a push. And, you know, we're doing this freelance stuff that we could do on the road anyway. Um, yeah. You yeah, know, my first full race season was 2014. And I like I just graduated from college and I kind of came into it with the, the theory of like, I want to be able to make money doing this, not just mm. like I want to race because yeah, I right. couldn't really afford to do it otherwise. So I think and I'd watched Mackie like go through a lot of these processes like while I was in school so I've sort of had a leg up that way and I think it is like if you go into it and you're like how can I build this as a business um mm -hmm. you can start making money a lot faster whereas if your entire focus is just like racing as fast as you can and not really caring how old are you guys everything. yeah I'm 26 I'm 29 okay cool that's like I mean that's awesome. You guys are basically making twice the average household income or so and you're super young and you're like living what I I mean I'm looking at these pictures on your Instagram like I want to do that. <laughs> you got to buy a bike first, Andrew. I know. <laughs> and then I'm going to have to ask Sid and Mackie to teach me how to ride it and then yeah. <laughs> So that reminds me of another question. So I I've watched some of like the downhill mountain bike race videos like that Red Bull puts out and stuff. Um I, I do some extreme sports myself, but it looks like literal insanity to me the speed they're going at. So I guess the question is like have you guys ever gotten like seriously hurt doing this and if you have how do you deal with that since it is your full-time income? It's mm. a great question. Yeah, I mean I think that's kind of why we're so motivated to save money to be honest because there's not much job security in what we do and like we're mm -hmm. super stoked with how the past few years have gone but like I mean, any sort of injury or like really just economic downturn, I mean, we're pretty expendable really to most, I mean, not, I think we, we try to make ourselves not expendable, but I think mm. you understand that it's like, you know, yeah. we're not salary, you know, um, mm. 
mm-hmm. with different companies. So yeah, I think we've both been really lucky. I kind of like don't even want to say it out loud, but no, we haven't had any serious injuries. I'm knocking um, on my desk for you. Yeah. <laughs> we've, we've broken bones. We've, you know, twisted things. We've hurt, like we've had stuff where like we can't ride for a while and we have to recover. Um, but and that's something where, like, when we sign contracts with the company, especially, like, a larger sponsor, we're extremely careful to make sure that, like, we won't be docked pay for, like, minor injuries. Yeah. Okay. We, haven't had to, we haven't had to cross the bridge of, like, oh, I can't race the entire rest of the season. Like, that's yeah. obviously different, but, like, we, we have it that if we crash in practice, which is very likely because that's you're, like, trying the lines and trying to go All at right. race speed, that not doing that race doesn't affect your income because okay i'm sure they're used to this though right like this is not a new yeah yeah Yeah, i mean it's a hazard of of the business yeah though i do have to say it seems like your threshold for what constitutes a serious injury is pretty high (laughs) since sid says we haven't been injured yet knock on wood and max says yeah we've broken bones yeah (laughs) (laughs) we've been pretty lucky the past few years i've had some knee issues that aren't that weren't even crash related um okay just training um we've done like rotator cuffs where it's like maybe it's like it's not torn completely because my arm's not dangling down but like it definitely hurts and i can't really ride properly and so like you take some while rehab it and but that's part of why we've made sure to focus on the lifestyle instead of just the race results. Yeah. Because then it's like, you know, this is this is part of it. This is part of racing bicycles, seriously. Is like you get hurt and you have to rehab. And how do you deal with that mentally and emotionally and physically? And like that can become part of the story instead of just like, oh, I'm gonna go totally dark on social media for the next six weeks and sponsors are gonna be really stoked about that. <laughs> yeah, it's true. I mean, this- sort of question is also why we sort of we created the joint brand that we sent you the instagram and the stuff that is sid and mackie um Mm -hmm. because we we want to focus more on the lifestyle stuff and also like create some products like the sponsorship course that aren't dependent on you know our health really or or selling other or selling other people's product like i think right um it's super you guys it's it's like less uh we're sponsored because we win all the time and more like we live a life of adventure and we can build a story around that in addition to our athletic endeavors. Yeah. Especially the Sid and Mackie account. It's not about the bikes. Like yeah. our, you know, Moving my Instagram the, the and her stuff, Instagram, yeah. it's like, those are pretty bike specific and that's mm-hmm. what our following wants to see is like bike shots and videos and, but like the Sid and Mackie account, the goal is to have it be people who are interested in the lifestyle. And like, yeah, we are professional mountain bike racers and that's what we do. Mm-hmm. But, you know, you could, you know, as long as you could do something on the road, you could live the same lifestyle that we're living. I mean, it's not yeah. like, you know, our expenses last year, like of what we our adjusted gross minus what we saved was like eleven thousand dollars or something it so. cost you eleven thousand dollars to essentially live last year yeah well, that's like mainly food we eat a lot i don't yeah. know what else <laughs> well I mean, you know there's and there's insurance and there's you know but like yeah yeah pretty much wow we that's spent eleven thousand dollars to survive last year and 
And we know we know it's that because that's like what we were making three years ago, and we didn't start. <laughs> and we so didn't start. So. We didn't have to borrow money. And, um, Mackie's paid off his student loans in the past two years, so that's like pretty awesome. So um, nice. I'm I'm looking at your your web page and your Instagram, and I mean the pictures are awesome. It looks like, you know, awesome. What's the downside to it? I mean, is is I'm guessing it's not all perfect living in a van. And camping. And and that's the idea with the Sid and Mackie account also is mm-hmm. like show people sort of what it's actually like. Because like, mm-hmm. you know, especially based on our, our person, you know, our, our athlete Instagrams, like it looks like all we do is ride bicycles and like go fast and have fun at races. And like, yeah, yeah we do that. And that's awesome. But we also deal Spend with a lot, lot of logistics. On a computer and, and, and I, mean, I think yeah. like the living in the van, the downside is it's. You, you just spend a lot more of your time dealing with logistics than you do like when you're in a house, which is why it's yes. nice like we're able to come spend a few weeks at Mackie's parents' house now and like not have to worry quite much about like, oh, are we gonna remember to like get water before we go to our campsite and like or do we have to sit in a laundromat today and like mm-hmm. stuff like that can be really, really draining. Um, that was the big thing that turned me off of being one of those like world traveling bloggers. Cause I did like even a two week trip to Tokyo, I was like, I'm going to work. And then it's like, nah, instead I'm going to move to a different hostel every day and <laughs> figure out all that logistical right. nightmares and then figure out where to get food and what this weird packet of squid tentacles are. <laughs> like, how do you, how do you cook them? I don't know. <laughs> well, and that's part of, yeah, for us, we've been living in a van for long enough that we're beginning to get our systems in place and yeah you know have a good cooler that if you get a block of ice will last for four or five days Mm -hmm. and so you know but we're usually we don't really set up and stay somewhere for really long periods of time like we usually have to go into town and get groceries every couple of days um just because we don't have the capacity to you know to store a week's worth of food we have the capacity to store like two or three days worth of food what's your go-to camping recipe we make everything on a camp stove basically unless it needs to go in the oven no we can't do that but i mean um, we we generally we'll do a lot of curries and stir fries pasta burritos burritos Mm. we'll do bacon and eggs and potatoes in the morning usually um like we'll pretty much cook anything as long as you we have a (laughs) two burner camp stove and then like the gas tank that people usually have for like their grills the you know we don't mess around gas with those tank, dumb propane tank. things oh nice yeah. we just does the camp stove them. plug into the um van outlet or no, is it it's, yeah, it's, gas. it's gas so it's oh it's a gas you know, stove okay yeah it's, it's yeah. a double burner with a 25 pound or 20 whatever it is 25 pound propane tank that we just have an adapter to so we like set that up and we have a an awning for the van that we made for 60 dollars i think we have tarp. a video coming out. Yeah, it's like <laughs> it's two painter poles like that extend. Okay. So you unscrew it and it. pull them out, and then you lay a tarp over it and clip it on there, and it like it withstands wind and stuff way better than most of the six hundred dollar ones, and it costs sixty dollars. Oh shit! Oh wow! So, <laughs> you know, it's so, um, it's all just like tarp. Try to figure out where you can avoid spending money, but that gets yeah. the job done. That's pretty much what we do most of the time. So let's so say, say like you don't have a race coming up this weekend. Uh, how many days? I, I say you're on the road too. How many days are you spending in one spot? It's a good question. We try to get to like a race venue 
at least a couple. I mean, practice is usually the two or three days before. Mm-hmm. And if we can, we try to get there before that just to kind of get to know the terrain and the altitude the and, and recover from the driving and mm-hmm. find a good camp spot. Like, you know, we like to be there as early as we can because then you just kind of get to know the area and like where the grocery store is and where the good river spots are. And yeah, but yeah, it's the logistics. Here yeah, you're also. But I mean, we're also training. I mean, you know, we're probably training on a day or on a week that there's not a race. We're probably training five days a week, Hmm. sometimes six. Mm -hmm. Um, And then during race weeks, it's like you get a little bit more recovery because you just race that weekend and then you recover some and then you start practicing and then you race again. And then, so it's a little bit less training and more just kind of race, recover, practice, race on repeat. Um, Hmm. But yeah, I'd say in most places, unless we're like driving I don't know, 1500 miles or something, then we'll like drive, camp, drive, camp, drive. Um, but if that's not the case, if it's only a couple hundred miles, we'll do the drive in one day and then we'll just kind of set up camp and hang out so that we don't have to spend a ton of time on the road. And Are most of the other you know, bikers doing the same thing? Like, are they literally camping like five feet away from you in like their slightly different For van, the races, or? yeah. Uh, for like race weekends, a lot of people have. It's kind of funny, like, a lot of people we race with have these like super expensive, nice vans that they don't really even live in. <laughs> that they it's spend kind of like <laughs> you know four days in over race weekends, and then we have the like janky ass like beat up rusty van. So, <laughs> well, it's the better van because you guys actually use it more often. Yeah. And I was going to say, you guys have gotten 32,000 miles out of a $1,400 van, so the next one can just be $2,800, and you'll get 60,000 miles out of it. (laughs) Yeah, we've been really lucky with this van. Yeah. I I mean, fleet vehicles are generally well-maintained, and, like, Mm -hmm. we've learned a lot about vans since we got this van, and, like, frankly, we got lucky. Like, we totally acknowledge that. We also have told Great White, that's her name, she's Great White the Adventure Van, Mm-hmm. Um, we've told her that we are not going to fix her. So if she dies, she's going to the junkyard. So either she can keep running or she can die. Yeah, so far our most expensive, her. not really a repair, was getting her out of an impound lot. Oh, so that was kind of a uh, bummer. Yeah. So like, oh, man. $850. Wow. Oh, I was, was like, I was like, oh, maybe it's like 50 bucks. 850 bucks well, to get out of an impound okay. lot? Actually... It was $1,600, but the hotel that towed it, that shouldn't have towed it, paid half of it, which, because we parked it for, like, six weeks while we were in New Zealand at, like, a hotel that we we paid for the parking, and they, I mean, we kind of screwed up and half covered the ticket with our, like, windscreen. Sunshade. Um, anyway, it was bad. So we got back They from... didn't have any digital records, and it's yeah. a creepy-looking van, so they just towed it instead of, like checking their paperwork so we got back from (laughs) six weeks on like it was sort of a nightmare travel day where like sid left her phone in australia and like we were exhausted and we've been traveling (laughs) and we get back and i like roll in you know take the airport shuttle back to the hotel and i'm like walking down and i'm like oh that's the spot where our van used to be and it's not there anymore (sighs) 
and they oh just got gosh. <laughs> and like initially this was in san francisco so initially i thought it was stolen for sure i was like oh we are in big this trouble stupid hotel had like no like they just their records weren't digitized at all so they yeah. were just like totally clueless they're like we don't know what happened to it and we're like uh you better <laughs> find out because it was in your like quote-unquote secure parking <laughs> yeah so then they actually like found a piece of paper tacked to the wall that said like toad 328 which was two weeks earlier mm. so it was the tow fee plus two weeks of impound and it was seventeen hundred dollars and they paid half of it that is insanity so. yes we're so still, what are you guys, we're still so appealing like, to try to get our 850 dollars back yeah. but so far no luck no luck <laughs> Man. So if everybody wants to call up the travel lodge in San Francisco <laughs> and be like, you guys are shitheads and should give these guys their $850, that'd be super cool. <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised if people did that. Man, that so awesome. you guys, like, when, you go do, uh, when you go do secure parking now, do you like not accept it unless they like brand the date into their arm or something <laughs> with a lighter. I don't, know. I don't know if we'll do that again. We're going to try to avoid ever doing that again. It was one of those, like, like our plans kind of changed at the last minute and okay. we had to park it somewhere and it was, we went online to global parking, which like allows hotels to charge people for long-term or like for, it was like parking. way cheaper than the, the airport parking. Yeah. yeah. So in the future, I think we would just do the airport parking and pay a couple hundred dollars more. So, yeah, I've kind of Yeah, I've kind of started accepting certain uh, little expenses that just make my life less awful when traveling. <laughs> yeah, like airport parking. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, and we've so like, scrappier. I'd like find just a side road and just be like, I hope nobody steals this car. No one will tow this. <laughs> yeah, well, and, our problem is it's usually long enough. Like. When we fly somewhere, it's usually for at least six weeks or at the minimum four. Three to four, yeah. So, like, you know, you kind of have to do something. And so it's do you pay the extra $300 and do it in the airport parking because airport parking is ridiculously expensive? Mm-hmm. Or so, But what you were saying about, like, there's certain things that you're willing to spend more money for. Like, now that we are able to do this as a job and, you know, actually have a little bit of money, there's things that we're, like, Okay, when we're in an airport and we're hungry, instead of just being like, we're going to wait until we can get to a grocery store, we're just going to buy the food because yeah. both of us get hangry and like it's just not good. <laughs> so Everything gets worse yeah. if yeah. we don't eat. There's definitely something to be said like for like your your day-to-day experience is part of your business. So you kind of exactly. have to treat it like a business would treat anything else that they do and you know like i don't really have an example right now but businesses invest money to save themselves time or to make processes less awful and it might not feel frugal if you're doing that with your daily life but if that's part of your business like you travel a lot then absolutely do it if you can you know and frankly just like what's the point of having money if you don't spend it on things that make your life better and like yeah yeah. we've just being hungry makes our lives so much worse <laughs> that we just like, if we're driving and we're like whoa we're both really hungry and like it's time to eat and we don't have time like we could pull over and cook a meal but that's going to take half an hour like we'll mm-hmm. just stop at this grocery store and we'll go to the deli counter and we'll get some that's stuff like and, a like, big splurge for us though yeah. like, i would say like we used yeah. to like it would be it was bad like we couldn't afford to buy deli counter for people <laughs> so it'd be like okay i guess we're like pulling over on the side of the road making 
pasta. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, okay, we can like, go get burritos. Like, yeah, we're going to get rad. burritos. It's going to be awesome. <laughs> Splurge meal, gas station burrito. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. Well, you guys, you guys have an amazing life, seriously. Like, I mean, I'm, obviously there is... There's downsides to it. There's frustrations. There's awful hotel people, but like I'm following the Instagram now and it's seriously awesome. And I mean, like it makes me want to go start mountain biking again. I never done it as seriously as you guys did, but I used to have one and it was really fun to go out and do it. So well, going you're in tomorrow. So yeah, I mean, I'm in Denver, so I'm going to the yeah, mountains tomorrow already. Mountain biking around there. Yes, there is. So I only own a uh, road bike right now. So okay. I go cycle quite a bit, like yeah. just on roads and stuff, but I would love to maybe, I guess I could get a mountain bike, but I live in an apartment and I, mm-hmm. it might be better just to swap it for a mountain yeah. bike. Cause I'm not really a c- competitive tour de France kind of guy anyway. So <laughs> it makes more sense to go for fat tires at some point, mountain but biking. I'm saving money for skis. Cause now that I live here, I need to own skis and boots and poles and all that stuff. No more renting for me. Yeah. Well, and, <laughs> All of those same places that do skiing in the winter do lift access mountain biking in the summer. So oh, something to be sure of. Yeah. Okay. I didn't see. You know, it's funny. People will keep saying like, oh, there's actually more to do out in Breckenridge or Vail or whatever in the summer than there is in the winter. Okay. And I'm like, what is it? Hiking? I didn't even think about the fact that you could do like lift access mountain biking. That's well, there's amazing. Do they? Keystone. I, yeah. Keystone does. Crested okay. Butte does. Winter Park does. Winter Park does. But oh, there's sweet. tons of riding in Breckenridge. Yeah, that but there's good non-lift access. Non-lift. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, I love the summers out there. Are Winter awesome. Park's even closer, so. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I wonder if the ski train will um, take bikes because there's actually a ski train that goes from Denver to Winter Park, so you don't have to drive. Yeah. And otherwise, I can just I get a know. top rack or something for my car. <laughs> but anyway, uh, it was awesome talking to you guys. Um, you said you had a course coming up for sponsorships. Where can people go to to get that? So our website is Sid and Mackey. That's S Y D A N D M A C K Y dot com. So Sid with a Y and Mackey with a Y and no E. Yes. <laughs> those are usually the pitfalls. So those are the pitfalls. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, our website um, has a store button. There's the sponsorship course. Um, we've got some T-shirts and water bottles and stuff like that. Fun stuff. Um, yeah, because our our license plate is adventure. So oh, we nice. made that oh, cool. into a T-shirt and yeah. a water bottle. So check that out. But uh, yeah, we we try to make ourselves easy to find on the internet. Um, there's yeah, that Instagram Sid and Mackie underscore because there are two teenagers that have Sid and Mackie. That's that bullshit. Don't... Oh. Yeah, I sent <laughs> them a message like trying to buy it, but they have like a private account, so I don't think mm. they saw it. We were. Oh, sad, they might like, even use it anymore. Then yeah. Well, we'll put all yeah. of those links in the show notes, so they don't awesome. even have to remember how to spell your name. They'll just click. Perfect. It. Perfect. Yeah, it's true. All I gotta do is go over to the show notes. Though I, I have been wondering, uh, Andrew, we don't have like short links to our show notes, which is something that I do have on the CIG podcast. So maybe at some point you can get. Yeah, that we did that, but we actually put the things. full show. So okay, here's here's the pro tip right here. We put the okay. full show notes in the feed, so while you're listening, That's if true, you yeah. tap on my or Thomas's face, you'd probably want to tap on my face. Uh, all <laughs> of the text of the show notes comes up, and you can click on the link in there. So you don't even have to like leave the podcast app. Uh, cool. And if you tap on my face, then you get free money in the mail. <laughs> yeah, okay. The wildest dreams come true. 
So it's up to you which face you want to tap. <laughs> that is yeah, good. Okay, so yeah, we do have that. Yeah. What'd you cool. say? Oh, just we listened via Podbean just because it was one, like it was an app that we found. And I don't know okay. if it has the show notes in there. It probably I does, don't. but some of those podcast apps make it like kind of hard to find the show notes, which is yeah. why I do still think it might be useful to give people a short link. Mm. Um, and that way, Andrew, Mr. Uh, Mr. Like conversion, they could be on the site where you Listen can do all matters. Like, com slash show track. and click on the first link. I'm not building <laughs> anything else. <laughs> and you so here's two pages the, the only problem I think of is like, we don't do numbered shows anymore, mm. which I, I literally don't know how many episodes because we have. This episode <laughs> is timeless. What difference does it make? What number yeah. it is, right? It you could be your first episode. Now, or you could live in a van from 10 years from now. Exactly. You could live in a self-driving van in the future. I guess <laughs> awesome, yeah we have all the show notes in the feed so you can look at it i know some podcast apps you have to like click a little hamburger button or something and then mm. i don't know say some like weird celtic invocation to get it to come up but with most of them you can tap faces whichever face you want okay. to tap <laughs> anyway if you guys have questions for us you can email us listen money matters at gmail.com uh, whether it's about living in a van traveling the world or about i don't know Double back with Roth IRA conversion strategies, whichever one. <laughs> Cover them on the podcast or get you an answer via email. And you can also go over to pro.listenmoneymatters.com to check out a lot of the cool tools we are cooking up and listenmoneymatters.com slash toolbox to see our favorite tools that other people have made to make your financial life easier. So thank you so much for listening. And we will see you in the next episode. Later, guys. Later, man. Thanks. Please tell your friends about this show. <laughs>